Many organizations struggle when it comes to communicating and realizing their business strategies. Many workers don't even understand the strategies in their own company. Welcome to the North Star with William Ulrich. Find out where your organization stands, what you might be doing right, and where you can improve. Now, here's your host, William Ulrich. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You're listening to the North Star. Feel free to contact me by email, LinkedIn, or on my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Today, we'll be discussing business architecture in the real world with my guests, Kelly Eckmeyer and Teresa Garcia-Holm. Kelly Eckmeyer is a VP at PNC Bank, team lead for enterprise business architecture, and co-chair of PNC's business architecture community of practice. Kelly is a certified business architect and a PNC certified women's business advocate. Teresa Garcia-Holm is a strategy consultant in the Operations Transformation Group at Wells Fargo, focused on advancing holistic, optimized designs to deliver on strategic objectives. She's also a CBA, a certified business architect, and Teresa serves on the Central Iowa Diversity Committee, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Uh, both Kelly and Teresa co-chair the Business Architecture Guild's Financial Services Business Architecture Reference Model Team, and that team is responsible for delivering a business architecture baseline that financial institutions can use to both deploy and accelerate the deployment and use of business architecture. Kelly and Teresa are leading voices in the field of business architecture. You can reach Kelly at K Eckmeyer, that's K E C K M A Y E R 2395 at gmail.com, and Teresa at Teresa, T E R E S A underscore Garcia, G A R C I A 9596 at yahoo.com. You can find links to the content relevant to today's discussion on the North. North Star Radio Show page of my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Uh, Kelly and Teresa, welcome to the North Star. Thank you for having us. Thank yeah, okay. thank you, Bill. So if listeners aren't familiar with PNC and Wells Fargo, uh, you both work at uh, fairly sizable financial institutions. Maybe you just want to uh, tell us just for a, a minute or so about um you know, the background in case if, if you're local to, to either of these institutions and are pretty big and they're, they're all over the country, the U.S. at least, uh, you probably are aware of them, but maybe just give, give people a quick snapshot uh, of, of the, what they do. Absolutely. For PNC, we are one of the top five banks and um, with a recent acquisition and uh, we are available across the country. Yeah, and for Wells Fargo, um, we are a large, very large organization, five um, major business groups and have um, hundreds of products, um, millions of customers, um, banks, um, investment products, so very um, expansive, comp um, complex organization that has global presence as well. Great. So uh, let's start with Kelly. Uh, Kelly, can you just give us a little more context on your role over at PNC? Absolutely. I enable others to thrive. Uh, I, I help guide them to bring uh, their vision into fruition. In my organization, I support the development of the bank's enterprise strategy and application portfolio, and I help coach uh, my business partners with their goals. And Teresa at Wells Fargo? 
Yeah, you know, so I'm a strategy consultant at Wells Fargo, and my focus is on payments uh, transformation. And so what I do is help our leaders um, really translate their strategic objectives and priorities um, and establishing, you know, measurable business, um, you know, uh, objectives and goals, um, getting clear on what capabilities they need to invest in. And, and Bill, actually, in, in some regards, it's very similar to the name of your show, North Star. I'm like, if this is the direction you want to go, I help them understand um, how they get there and where we need to um, make adjustments and um, addressing various aspects of the organization. Great. Um, so a little more background in terms of a couple other areas. Uh, uh, Kelly, in your role as a PNC certified women's business advocate, what's, what's that entail? That's a great question. As a women's business advocate, I am trained and I'm certified to help women financial decision makers succeed by supporting their partnerships with clients and, and prospects. The program and the, the women's business advocate program educates people on understanding the opportunities and challenges facing female financial decision makers, including learning about gender differences and unconscious bias. Okay. And Teresa, you are a uh, participator work in the uh, Central Iowa Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. What's, what's that? You know, um, that actually is a committee that is responsible for looking across all diversity dimensions. We have 10 different employee resource uh, networks. And similar to what Kelly said, it's we're about looking at um, all those different dimensions, gender identity, economic, um, education and really helping the um, that community understand and value and inspire them to um, to embrace those differences and actually see that it makes us better um, and delivering against um, you know growing as people and also as as a bank. That's great, and we are going to get back a little bit later in the show to discuss uh, a bit more about uh, your role in in terms of business architecture and the role of women in business architecture. But first, uh, I want to have to educate a little bit on business architecture. So we'll start with some of the basics. How would you both, uh, and either one can start, but how would you both uh, define or explain business architecture? Uh, we always call it the elevator speech, right? So how would you guys talk about that? Well, uh, for me, I, I refer to business architecture as the Rosetta Stone. I may have heard that from one of my lovely mentors, Mr. Ulrich. Uh, <laughs> business architecture articulates and guides the business and operating model, uh, people, process, technology, and, and organizational change and investments in response to disruptive forces and towards achieving a targeted business outcomes. Yeah, and this is Teresa. The, you know, the way I would describe it, it's funny, after um, studying our business architecture book of knowledge, which is very comprehensive, um, when I studied it, it was about 750 pages. Now we're at about 800 or so. Um, and really what it boils down to me is it's a discipline that helps provide transparency and alignment. Really, if I were to come and sum it up that way. And so thinking about, you know, every organization has different, um, you know, aspects, you know, the people, the organizations, your policies and understanding the relationship between those. So I would say that's really um, what business architecture is. And uh, you both hit on a few of the, it sounds like some of the benefits, but uh, did you want to go into a little bit more on uh, some of uh, the benefits you see or, or would see? 
I, I think one of the most important ones is, is resource savings, both cost and personnel, um, because business architecture encourages a more business-focused investment strategy. Yeah, this is Teresa. I, I would say um, some of the benefits are um, it really helps you um, sort of unify your organization and come together with a common view using common language. Um, and so that as you, you know, work, work on really, you know, uh, initiatives and transformations and just how you operate, um, it really helps uh, for you all to understand the organization to understand um, what it is you're doing, why you're doing it so that you can, uh, how you do it can be more effective. And we do see a lot of use of business architecture in the financial services industry, which, which is great and, and important. And, and, and I know you guys both, you lead, co-lead uh, a team that's working on delivering a business architecture baseline for financial institutions that they can use. So you see um, uh, particular applications or uses of, of business architecture in the financial services area? Yeah, as business architects, we engage directly with the business. Uh, we um, work to establish a sustainable business-driven architecture that identifies documents and communicates, as, as Teresa mentioned, communicating the capabilities to inform and enable long-term strategy. Yeah, you, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of different uses uh, for business architecture. Um, to me, it's one of those disciplines that I think helps actually bring other disciplines together. Um, it, it um, you know, if you were to take, for instance, you know, a lot of companies are focusing on um, digitization. And so if you were, let's just say you were, um, as a use case, you're thinking, okay, I, I wanna, um, you know, digitize, you know, how we do, you know, document delivery or acknowledgement, uh, you know, from customers. And so um, being able to use business architecture to understand, first of all, um, where are all the places that you have that type of capability using, um, you know, your value streams and understanding what products and services. And then you can actually you know, help um, other parts of the organization, your process, your policy, your legal um, team um, have a common view and understanding of that so that you can accelerate um, that uh, delivery and that um, what you want to actually focus on in terms of digitizing. So it's, it's one of those disciplines to me um, that help, uh, really brings all of them together. One of the myths people have is that business architecture is a technical thing. So uh, the business executives, some of the business leaders, they say, well, well, why are you talking to me about this? It's, it's really, a, it's just a technical thing, isn't it? So it, it, can you help, help people out with that kind of thinking? Absolutely. Um, we personally, in, in our organization, we leverage business architecture throughout the organization, um, both at an enterprise level and in the various lines of business, definitely um, working as a liaison between the business and technology partners. And, and we use business architecture in the decision-making process for every technology engagement, but it's using the business language. And we also use um, business architecture and strategic consulting efforts uh, that, that would help guide, uh, again, people, process, and technology through the bank. Mm. 
Yeah, it, and you know, um, so first of all, the 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 name of the discipline, business, uh, really, it's inherent in the name. It, so it is about the business, um, and I always say it's you've got to figure out the why before the what, and the what before the how. And so the business architecture helps you to understand why. All of, what are your strategies, your strategic objectives? Then you talk about what, and so. Um, it's really important that we understand like what capabilities, what policies are you going to put, what organizations. And so um, it, it is the foundational piece um, in order to build the right technology solutions, all very important, but it really, um, you do want to first figure that out and business architecture helps you to do just that. And then when you translate it into your technology architecture, which is there's a great marriage between those disciplines that you you can do that more effectively. And Teresa, you mentioned uh, you have a lot of different business units and divisions groups uh, out there. Uh, so yes. I think one of the things business architecture helps with is is being able to have a common perspective across those. Is that is that a fair statement? Uh, yes, it is. Um, and it's been uh, proven. We've used it in uh, one of the payment transformations uh, that I am working on. And um, everyone needs to understand what do they fit in the big picture? Um, what is it that we're doing? Um, why are we doing it? How will you measure the effectiveness of that? And so um, business architecture, when you think about creating um, models and framework that help you to um, to do just that. When do you need to use that particular arc, you know, uh, you know, uh, capability or um, who are the users of it? That's what business architecture helps you to do that. And they're questions that your your technology team will ask you, and so it helps them to build the right solutions. And and uh, Kelly, you see much of the same, some similar types of things out there. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, working closely with the line of business, uh, the various lines of business and the technology partners and, and not expecting one to know the other's language, <laughs> but yeah. to, in, instead, like, like I said, the Rosetta Stone, right? The allowing that translation of, of the technical and business terms. To, to bring the groups together. But yeah, ab absolutely. We, 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 you again, leverage business architecture throughout um, the technology engagements and then also in strategic consulting and anything where there's um, key decision-making opportunities, that's where business architecture comes into play. So you've probably have picked up a few lessons along the way uh, in, in terms of the work that you've been doing out there. Uh, can you share any of your thoughts on uh, maybe what you know now that you didn't know maybe when you got into all of this? I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't realize that I was going to have to be a salesperson uh, for the for the first two years. <laughs> yeah, for the first two years of our formal business architecture practice, we spent literally eighty percent of the time as salespeople selling business architecture to executive leaders and and business partners. And so we we were able to create a stable and holistic business capability model. And with that, uh, we were able to create de deliverables that were meaningful to the leadership. And so once, once we sold, you know, our pitch or, you know, gave our sales pitch and then provided those deliverables, we were able to show the impact on the business's wallet. And that's, that's consistently been the most direct means to, to gain leadership support. That gets attention. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did you learn, Teresa? Yeah, this is Teresa. You know, I, I learned um, three really important lessons. Uh, the first is don't take too long to show value. Um, business architecture, we have, you know, we've defined, you know, by our textbook, our business architecture book of knowledge, 10 different domains, but focus, I would start focusing on um, the ones that are sort of foundational, like, um, you know, so what are the capabilities? What's the value you're delivering? Um, and know that you want to first show, um, show value quickly by maybe taking a subset of those and start to um, socialize those with your uh, leadership. So that, that's one. You've got to show value. Even though you can get into very, um, you know, decomposition or, you know, breaking things down into a lot of deep, start with the high executive level and show value quickly. That's first. Um, the second thing is... Um, you have to collaborate and validate. It's about your your the business, and so you need the right stakeholders involved in that discussion. Um, and there's also an education piece, as Kelly said, you're going to be selling. And so um, part of the selling is you collaborating and bringing people in to actually develop your, your capabilities, your inventory of your policies and all the components. What information do you need in order to deliver your, your strategy? So that's the second um, which is sort of a mutually beneficial, um, you know, piece. And then the third is, um, and this might surprise people too, um, you're, of course, you need your executive level buy-in, um, but business architecture actually um, can be used as an education tool. So imagine you are a new executive for a company um, or you get part of an organization realigned under you. If you have your business architecture in place, that's probably one of the first things that you can do to help accelerate your learning and know how your organization, people that report unto you actually support other parts of the organization or what you need to do um, to focus on in order to deliver value. So use um, business architecture as an education piece um, as well for your executives. I have been surprised sometimes they're like, oh, I didn't know that this part of the organization was part of doing this. And so that's really, it helps to provide that transparency that we talked about. Okay, so we'll pick up on this on the other side of the break. You're listening to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing business architecture in the real world with my guest, Kelly Eckmeyer and Teresa Garcia home. You can reach them at their email addresses and we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. 
Your organization is spending seven, eight, or even nine figures annually on transformation programs, and you're questioning the bottom line business value. You were told not to worry. We've engaged the best system integrators, and they said all is well. Has your IT organization become a black box where money goes in, but nothing comes out? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich has seen every side of this story, from upfront happy talk to painful post-mortems. Find out what's really going on. Visit tacticalstrategygroup.com and ask about TSG's Transformation Oversight Service. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. That's wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. Now, back to the North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. You can reach me on LinkedIn by email or at my website. We're discussing business architecture in the real world with my guests, Kelly Eckmeyer and Teresa Garcia Holm. Uh, so what I wanted to pick up on is uh, some of the work you guys are doing. This is a, uh, a volunteer organization, the Business Architecture Guild, if people aren't familiar with it. It's a member-based, not-for-profit, a mutual benefit corporation for members. And there's members from all over the world in the many thousands. And there's all kinds of organizations that belong and and individuals. You can either one. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your role there. And uh, you are both co-leads, your co-chairs of the uh, uh, financial services reference model team. So uh, what I wanted to ask first is uh, what maybe brought you uh, first into the guild and then into these leadership roles. Yeah, I, for me, I'm I'm a business architecture nerd uh, through and through. I was actively engaged in the financial services team with uh, when a leadership opening became available, and it, it was truly an honor and, and still is to to be even considered for the position. And I believe I've been in the role for about four years now. Wow, <laughs> Teresa. Yeah, this is Teresa. Uh, you know, so the way I came into um, I guess business architecture first was just by, um, you know, one of the really leaders at Wells Fargo that I really admire, Jacob Williams. Um, he actually was someone that mentioned uh, business architecture to me and I started getting interested in it because of some of the opportunities I saw in my prior role at doing business process where um, I just felt like there was um, a broader perspective um, that could help sort of uh, be more successful and sustainable um, results and in, in, um, implementing some of our process changes. Um, and so I got interested in, in it. Um, but then after I became part of the Business Architecture Guild GAP certification and being part of the working team, I just found so much value in sharpening my skills by working with other people, other business architects, um, brilliant minds, you know, and so hearing from about their organizations um, and, you know, obviously nothing proprietary, but just some of those things that we were all having common opportunities and being able to take those learnings back to my organization, as well as share 
um, things that would benefit other financial um, institutions. So, um, you know, when a, that a role, the opportunity to co-lead with Kelly, uh, which I just absolutely uh, enjoy working with her, uh, came up just a couple of months ago, I decided to, to seize this opportunity. And it's been great. Now, thanks for mentioning the point about the fact that you're working with really, really interesting and great people from all over the globe. So it's like, you know, you've got banks out of Europe and Australia and, and different places. Uh, so the reference model itself, so you've, you've put out, I don't know if you're on version four, what, what I think it might be, but um, what does that, what's that do for what organizations, financial institutions who want to be able to uh, jumpstart or improve their business architecture? I, I honestly, for me, the, the Business Architecture Guild's industry reference model in particular is, you know, as you mentioned, it's created and it's matured by guild members. Um, they're business architecture resources um, that provide a baseline for organizations. Um, each model provides a holistic representation of a specific industry sector, you know, as, as we have the financial services for our side. And they, they can either be deployed as is, or they can be customized based on a specific organization's needs. Yeah, this is Teresa. Yeah, similar to what Kelly said, um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's interesting because it is a collective knowledge and knowledge base and um, you get information from, like you said, financial institutions from all over the globe. Just um, being able to use that um, even just to pressure test your current understanding um, of your organization, you know, look at the models and say, okay, if I, and I actually did this recently with um, an effort I was asked to lead around looking at our value streams. And so instead of starting from scratch, you know, we looked at, well, what's already in the, um, been um, identified in our knowledge base and do a gap analysis and say, oh, gosh, we didn't think about that. So let's look at that. And so it really helps to, again, identify um, gaps or opportunities. Um, and it just speeds up. Again, it accelerates any kind of ex assessment that you might need to do for your own organization. One interesting thing you all worked on recently, I think, was the effort to put together a, a scenario. A, we call it scenario. People might call it a use case for using the business architecture reference model for a margin call, right? Which was a, uh, it can be a fairly complex series of trade exchanges, right? So that experience and, and uh, you know, that was brought in by another bank that wanted to walk through that. So can you just describe, you know, what, what that entailed and then what, not in any detail, but then what, what people might use that in the, in the field? Well, I, I know in, in terms of the financial services reference model, just in general, um, it, it does you know, support essential business scenarios that you'll see across the industry, and, and it helps to resolve the challenges. And then you know, through resolving those challenges, then we're able to create value. And, and so within the models, we have value streams, as Teresa had mentioned. Um, we have the capability stakeholder organization and information maps. Uh, we're also currently working on a policy map um, that, that's all part of, of what will help provide, again, that holistic perspective for um, the financial services industry to, to leverage and bring into practice uh, you know, through their individual business scenarios. Yeah, this is true. So the one, one thing I would add, um, Kelly, I think nailed it, but um, in addition to that, 
One of the opportunities too with your your um, your business architecture and how you use it is about how do you operationalize it, right? And so your scenarios, people that, uh, can understand and relate to those. Look, oh, I need to, you know, um, you know, open up a new account or I need to, you know, transfer servicing. It's like once you can make it in some tangible, relatable use cases and business scenarios, then you take what may be somewhat abstract and then um, able to to communicate that in a way that makes it real. And then you can translate it into a lot of different things. You know, how do you um, communicate that, you know, for training? How do you build a solution that um, is flexible? So it's that's what I would say that um, some of the scenarios and things that we've built out have helped um, organizations do. Thanks. So I, I just want to mention, and we'll, we're going to jump into a new topic here, but if people are interested, it's businessarchitectureguild.org is how you can find them. So uh, go look, and if you're in financial services, maybe you get an opportunity to work with these two people. Uh, so let me shift over to opportunities in the field, and I think you both provided a little bit of um, input about how you guys got into this a little bit more, but uh, I want to I explore sort of the profession and the discipline and, and the opportunities that are out there, particularly for women in the field. So is there anything you want to add in terms of how you uh, found yourself in, in these positions and, and at least from your personal experiences? Um, for me, I was originally a financial analyst, and then I became a business analyst, and then someone saw potential in me. Um, they, they spent some time exposing me to basic concepts and pointed me actually to the work of the Business Architecture Guild. From there, I ran with it. Um, the, the IIBA uh, for business analysts has since added business architecture into their book of knowledge, and it helps to hopefully guide others down uh, following through on a similar career path. Yeah, this is Teresa. How, how I found myself um, in this role, uh, sort of the trend, um, the progression was, again, starting with business process um, and started off to be as a business process analyst and consultant and really started working on sort of multi-platform complex systems um, system either integration or uh, uh, build out of new um, new technology, and it, it, it's interesting. I found, and I think a lot of women um, will find that they are natural collaborators, which is a critical skill in bringing people together when it comes to your business architecture, right? Because you're building out architecture for entire business. So um, I think women, um, the men are good at this too, but women to me are sort of nat um, masters at bringing people together. Um, the other thing I would say is, because of, you know, communication, I think is really also um, important. And that was, you know, when you're, when you're working on business process, and then when I got, you know, from business process consultant and started getting into architecture, those uh, communication skills and being able to um, articulate, you know, your business uh, strategy, making it, speaking it um, in a way or create a way that's um, relatable to your uh, your business community, I think was really um, important. And so just um, the more I learned about business architecture and how it really, um, there were skills that were transferable, I just found it was a natural uh, progression, an easy transition into this role. And there's some certain attributes that uh, either somebody recognized or you recognize in yourselves that kind of drew you across. And Teresa, the uh, the difference there in terms of your 
your process work versus what you're doing now, um, th- there's there, there's there's some differences in in sort of the skills you use or the, the attributes you bring to the table. Is that is that fair? Uh, the collaboration one was obviously key. Yeah, there there are different skills. Um, so, for instance, with business uh, process, you are focusing on more the how and a lot more uh, detail. With business architecture, you have to be able to um, look at a lot of different um, information and be able to extract from it. You know what's common about that. You know you may look at you know you know, 100 or 200 process models and say, you know what, I can see that really it's about, I need a capability to, you know, uh, you know, deliver documents or to communicate or to, um, you know, manage um, information. And so you, um, you can use that. It's about looking at a lot of being able to synthesize a lot of information. So you do have to develop and hone that skill. Um, so I would say that's one of the, the, the key differences between business architecture. Um, you have to be able to extract a lot of information, simplify and synthesize. Yeah, that's really well said because it, I, I always refer to it as like a hawk's eye view that in, in process and even in business analysis, you go into the depths of knowledge and you're in this, you know, in this, um, you, you have your horse blinders on and you just go into the, that one piece of, of or a particular area and, and go all the way in. And with business architecture, we have to take and flip that on its side and say, okay, we're going to look at a, a broader area more I, I don't want to say superficially, but the what as opposed to the how, right? And and taking that and, and lifting it up and being able to elevate it for strategic discussions. So no horse blinders, right? No horse blinders. <laughs> <laughs> good. That, that's, a, that's good messaging. Uh, so as, as, as women in the field, because um, we, we wanted to talk about this, you got into this field uh, you you were in some of, you both were in other areas at different points in time in your careers. Uh, what what are you seeing as far as your experiences that that might be either different or opportunistic for uh, for women out there who are thinking about this? Well, there are absolutely opportunities for to get more involved, whether we're you know for regardless of gender. Um, but for me, being a woman has not held me back in business architecture. I, I think that's really important to note. Um, I find that in the discipline, you're treated respectfully, and it's um, on a level playing field with male counterparts. Um, in contrast, <laughs> working in a more technology-centric environment tends to be more challenging. Um, with that said, I am fortunate to work for an organization that promotes gender diversity and has special events and programs specifically for women in technology. And so as business architects, we're able to, to again, toe that line between the business and technology areas. This is Teresa. Um, you know, it's. I agree with you. I think that as far as um, it, easier to um, to find your 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 uh, space and also accelerate and uh, move up within um, an organization. Business architecture is a really good. Um, I think sort of marriage between sort of that if you want to call it left brain thinking and right brain thinking because it's it is a um, a very it, it has some structure in it, but it also, um, ha- there's an art to it. 
Um, and so I think um, it really plays to, as I've mentioned, some of the strengths that I find are sort of inherent in um, many of the women and executive women that I see in terms of being able to, again, you know, collaborate, um, be able to simplify, you know, complex uh, concepts, communication, um, natural with um, educating, which business architecture um, to me excels at educating the uh, very broad group of people to make sure there's a common understanding. And, and uh, before we got going today, we were talking about the fact that uh, you're not the only team that that's co-led by by women. The manufacturing team, which is f- with manufacturing companies from all over the globe, uh, is led by by two women at the Business Architecture Guild. And there's also um, a woman co-leading the insurance group. And I said one other group this morning. And oh, government group. There's a a woman co-leading the government group. So it's it's you guys are not the only uh, leadership in this role at at the guild. Um, and, and so I think that, that that's important. And, and so, Kelly, you made an interesting point about sort of that level playing field. Uh, and you may not see that in other uh, sort of professions or areas of, 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 of the practice uh, that you run into. And you are, you're given sort of a equal, equal respect or equal opportunity. Uh, Teresa, have you seen um, uh, something similar, I suspect, out there in terms of that? Uh, yes, yeah, and it, it's just evident too when I go to various conferences like Bill, the the um, ones that you hold for the Business Architecture Guild. Um, it is usually very equally um, as represented in terms of even you know speakers attendance between men and women. So finding that that to be true. Uh, that's great. So we're going to pick up on this conversation on the other side of the break. Uh, you are listening to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. Uh, we're discussing business architecture in the real world with my guests, Kelly Eckmeyer and Teresa Garcia-Holm. Uh, you can reach Kelly at her email address. We'll give you that one more time near the end of the show. And Teresa also at her email address. Uh, we will be back right after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your organization is spending seven, eight, or even nine figures annually on transformation programs, and you're questioning the bottom line business value. You were told not to worry. We've engaged the best system integrators, and they said all is well. Has your IT organization become a black box where money goes in, but nothing comes out? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich has seen every side of this story, from upfront happy talk to painful post-mortems. Find out what's really going on. Visit tacticalstrategygroup.com and ask about TSG's Transformation Oversight Service. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? 
Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. That's wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. Now, back to the North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich, and we are discussing business architecture in the real world with my guests, Kelly Eckmeyer and Teresa Garcia-Holm. Uh, we were talking about uh, opportunities and roles in the field, and, and one of the areas that is, is an opportunity, I think, is your exposure to so many different areas of the business and levels of the business, individuals and and. and and different parts of the business. Can you uh, can you comment on that, Teresa? You had some thoughts there. Yes, um, yes. As I shared earlier, the business architecture, because of it, the scope of it, is the entire business. Um, it just inherently gives you an opportunity to connect with um, all different all aspects of your organization. And I'll just maybe share a few examples. Um, so, if you think about um, when you're building out the business architecture, let's say you need to understand, well, um, if these are the products and services that we deliver, who owns those? Do we fully understand? So now you re- you're connecting with your product uh, um, people. And also I would su- um, just suggest you're always trying to um, connect with the, the, high, the people in the organization that sort of own those. So that just naturally will um, sort of uh, push you in the direction of, you know, the leaders, um, executive leadership, um, if you can, or at least your senior leaders. So that's an example. If you're looking at your policies, um, you're now going to need to connect with, you know, your risk, your compliance, your legal department, right? So now you're connecting and establishing those relationships, Um, understanding your organizational structure, um, that will be important. And so, you know, all parts of the organization, your HR department too can help you understand that. So just because, again, the nature of business architecture and having that really broad perspective of your entire enterprise, um, it really does position you to be in a place of connecting, networking, and establishing and collaborating and bringing your organization together. Kelly, have you seen it? Similar types of things uh, in your work? Absolutely, absolutely. The um, thing that I think is most enticing for me in, in business architecture as a whole is that we're able to work with, you know, the I've, I've worked with you know, just contractors that are going through a particular um, process for, you know, shifting paperwork, right? <laughs> that's, that's, you know, in filing, if, if you believe there was still paper happening. You know, but going from, from that, type of a role all the way through to the executive leadership. So, you know, we, we really do have success working with, you know, at all walks of life within an organization, uh, in particular with our various lines of business and, our, and again, our technology partners. Um, but, but we do have 
strong relationships um, with with various strategy and advisory teams because we we are working on strategy, but they are too, and so it's it's an interesting. I guess, um, opportunity for us to, to cross paths and, and work on the, the various, you know, conversations that, that lead to some of the decisions in terms of strategy. So what type of advice then would you offer? Um, and, and, and by the way, we should mention too that people come into business architecture from all walks of, of, of multiple professions and skills, right? You talked about being a financial analyst, uh, you talked about being a process analyst. Uh, people come in and, and, and we've seen great business architects come in from r- really different aspects of the business, all kinds of areas. So no one should consider themselves out of this game, right? Uh, but what, what kind of advice would you offer for women who might be interested in moving into, this, into the field? For, for me, I would say learn all you can <laughs> to lessen the learning curve. Uh, attend webinars, lectures, conferences, anything you can to just um, try to absorb the information and strengthen your awareness of business architecture. And it'll help develop develop your skill set and just give you a little bit more confidence as you move into the field. Um, I think it's, it's also critical to find not only a mentor, but also a career advocate. They may not be the same person. Um, but is a career advocate is, is absolutely someone who will promote you to others when you may not be in the room. This is Teresa. Yeah, Kelly, I, I agree with those. Um, yeah, definitely learn. Um, go to the Business Architecture Guild website. Um, get familiar with the, the discipline. Um, talk to other business architects. Um, find them. You can go on LinkedIn, right? Just different uh, ways of um, connecting with them. Reach out to Kelly or myself. Would love to share about um, the discipline. And um, yeah, I would just say, and the other, the one other thing I'd say too is um, recognize that the skills that you have already developed and are developing, acquiring are going to be transferable. Um, there is, I like you're saying, Bill. There's every single, um, you know, potential career role that you've played. Um, you will be able to transfer those skills. So that just consider them that have been foundational to to getting to um, this type of role, if that's something you choose. Yeah, there was a uh, business architect uh, for a long time at United Airlines that ran the team there and, and went back and took over a director's role in the operations team. Uh, and, and, you know, operations and engineering area, which, which was her background in the first place. Uh, but but you, can, you, can, you can move into other roles from business architecture as a business architect or in, in, as a practitioner. And you don't have to have the title of business architect either to practice. But um, you do see opportunities uh, also to move, uh, you know, not just sideways, but also potentially up. Is that, is that fair? This is Teresa. I, I, I would say it is. Um, and because, again, because you are um, one of those individuals that will have a broad, I would say it actually helps you with your business acumen, right? Because you have to understand all of the different aspects of the business, um, you will be able to um, 
to really develop a very broad um, perspective, a holistic perspective of an organization, which is really important for someone who's, you know, looking at a senior leader executive role. Um, and you're also developing those skills um, in order that around, you know, collaboration and understanding how to um, simplify complex uh, concepts and um, how things connect together, which to me is really important for someone who's in a leadership role. Kelly, what you would add? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think it's, it is, you know, you, we've mentioned a couple of times, you know, different walks of life, you're, you're exposed to different areas in, in the organization and being able to hone in and, and build those relationships, that network within your organization to, to know where to navigate, where, you know, you can take those, those um, skills from business architecture and the discipline and apply it. Once, once you, actually get into business architecture to be able to apply it even to your real life you know it's 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 truly fascinating and and valuable and and you can bring it across literally nearly any role in an organization and provide value i tell people that once you start using business architecture and you you're familiar with it and you can understand how to look at an organization through that lens you're never going to want to go back to get rid of it Right. Once once you've 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 sort of crossed the chasm and can use business architecture to visualize an organization and then imagine not having it. Right. And and the people that have sort of crossed over and, and built that skill. Right. So so can you comment on, you know, what it would be like for you guys now is, is to like if the, the whole thing just disappeared. Right. And you'd have to go back sort of the old way of talking about things. Yeah, this is Teresa. I, the analogy I would use, Bill, I absolutely agree with you, is um, it would be like, um, you know, taking your glasses off if you don't, if you do wear them. And so right. like, or like Kelly said, having blinders on, I feel like I'd be, it'd be a blind spot or fuzzy vision for me um, and for my organization and the teams that I work with if we didn't have business architecture, um, providing that context and people being able to really understand where they fit in, I think is so important. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. The, idea of of not having business architecture and not being able to see things holistically I, I think would be short-sighted and and would be difficult for an organization to to be successful not saying it's not possible it's just it, it it's a whole lot more difficult than you know than having that that full view it's it's sort of again like going on a road trip without a map and not having google maps with you you know it's it just it you're you're hoping to find your way but but you don't necessarily have all the you know the guidance that you need to to make decisions you know, I wore glasses and I, I, I'm, I'm just, it was a really good analogy because I, if you never wore glasses and you had bad eyesight, you wouldn't necessarily know there's anything different. <laughs> but then all of a sudden you put these glasses out and a whole new world opens up to you. You don't want anybody to take that away from you now. Like, oh, I can see now. I, I used to be able to see. Um, my, uh, my kids tell me that um, if in, in the Stone Age, I would have been eaten by a, a saber-toothed tiger because I wouldn't have been able to see it coming. So that, that's, people had good eyesight back then. Um, so one of the things, is there a, um, are, are you, in, in terms of uh, building your business architecture, people, skill, teams, 
you look for certain attributes. Um, you know, is, is there any messaging out there for people in, in human resources to uh, build better profiles in terms of the people they're looking for uh, it, as far as business architecture goes? I, I, I'm saying that because I've seen some, some ads out for quote unquote business architects and they're asking for almost everything but business architecture yeah. skills, right? It's like they throw the kitchen sink in there because they don't know. They don't have a, a good handle on it, right? So any, any advice out there? Because I'm sure you guys are always trying to be on the lookout for good people. Yeah, I'm, I, I'll be honest <laughs> with, with uh, being in the community of, you know, lead for uh, the community of practices with, uh, within our organization. It's, it's a challenge because you see people with that business architect title that are functioning, you know, strictly in the IT sector and actually doing development work. And you're like, but you're not a business architect. You use, use the skills that you have. But um, so I, I think it's important to, to go back and refer back to what the, the guild ha- offers and, and what and um, how it describes business architecture, because there are absolutely um more defined skills, not just soft skills, to to be able to be successful in business architecture. But the you know the, the tendency is to fall back on the technology, at least from what I've seen. The, you know the technology terminology. Yeah, this this is Teresa. I um I, I guess there's a couple of skills that I think are um, important. One is because you're helping the company. Um, your organization uh, set strategic goals, you have to be able to think strategically, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You also, um, again, I would say um, you are, you have to be good at collaboration, facilitation, um, because you are going to be helping to, um, you know, bring a collective, build a collective knowledge um, in order to build out, you, you know, your business architecture, your blueprints, your knowledge base and understanding what's important to the organization. Um, and I would say um, you have to have really important, really good communication skills um, as well, because someone's got to be able to translate those communication or your your business architecture, um, your models uh, to your various executives and so forth. So I'm sure there's a lot of other skills, but those are a couple that off the top of my head. Thanks. A great conversation today. I'm going to have to have you guys back to continue it. Um, But unfortunately, we're near the end of our show. My guests today have been Kelly Eckmeyer and Teresa Garcia-Holm. We've been discussing business architecture in the real world. You can reach Kelly at K Eckmeyer, that's K E C K M A Y E R 2395 at gmail.com and Teresa at Teresa, that's T E R E S A underscore Garcia, G A R C I A 9596 at yahoo.com. You can find links to the material reference today posted on and including some of their presentations from the summits uh, on the North Star radio page of my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Thank you, Kelly and Teresa, for sharing your insights with us today. They were great. Uh, my guest next week will be Dana Coy, consultant and author, and Keith Swenson, technology evangelist for Fujitsu. We'll be discussing re-envisioning how organizations define and automate work. You've been listening to The North Star. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You can contact me by email on LinkedIn or at my website. Thanks for joining me today, and I'll talk to you all next week.
Thank you for tuning in this week to the North Star. Please join host William Ulrich for another edition of the program next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll continue our discussion on strategy execution then. 